Coming up on this edition of Out of the Blue from Middle Tennessee State University. We learn how our Department of Theater and Dance is shaping stories written by area children into works of art that will soon go on tour. We preview the new $39.6 million building for the College of Behavioral and Health Sciences that will open for classes this fall. And we explore supply chain management, one of the hottest programs in the Jones College of Business, made even more relevant by our response to COVID-19. I'm Andrew Oppmann, and this is Out of the Blue. Welcome to Out of the Blue. I'm Andrew Oppmann. Professor Yetta Halliday in our Department of Theater and Dance has been collecting stories written by area children and turning them into works of performing art. The result has been art that speaks to the heart and gives our university students experience in playwriting, production, acting, and more as they interpret these feelings and words of these children. Professor Halliday joins us to talk about this project, which she hopes will soon tour across the nation and maybe even go across the Atlantic. Professor, thank you for joining us on the show. Good to see you, Andrew. I am really excited to hear about this project. My daughter, Sarah, is a, a student in the Department of Theater and Dance in the College of Liberal Arts, and y'all are always doing such amazing things. Give our viewers the elevator uh, pitch for this project. What does it entail and how, how elaborate and involved this is for so many of you? It's called Story Bandits, and it's, um, it's always evolving. It's like an amoeba, it's separating and forming new forms. But <laughs> basically what we do is we gather stories that children have written um, from first grade up through sixth grade. So some of those stories are two sentences, some are a whole page. And then initially what we did is we started going into the schools and performing the stories for the kids. Now what we wanna do is we're gonna take that a little bit further. We're gonna create a YouTube channel where we perform the stories. And then in the fall, we've got a class where we're going to take those stories and create a 60-minute show with music. And uh, the ideal situation will be to perform that show on Tucker stage, then tour it through Tennessee, and then next May, take it to Ireland. Let's back up for a bit and talk about the origin of the idea. Whose inspiration was this and how did it come to be? Several years ago, I was asked by the English department to help them with a project where they had gone into the schools and children had written books and they wanted some and some of the children won awards and they wanted me to come read the books that the children had written. And it was so much fun. I remember one little girl in the front row, I was reading her book and she was just giggling the whole time. And so ever since that I've wanted to do something and the timing seemed right. And so I started myself collecting stories and just going to the classrooms to read them. And then I got some students involved. And it was so much fun that we saw um, children would, when I'd say the author, the children would run to the little kid who had written the story and hug that person, or hug that child. We would read the story with all of the um, emphasis that an actor can put into it. And the class would giggle, they would applaud, and it was so validating for the kids. And then the teachers told us that their students were much more motivated to write and to write better. 
let's let's cover some of the the topics that they explore. I mean, are they? Uh, I guess they run the whole gamut, right? Happy, sad, fun, interesting. You know, at first when they write, a lot of the kids want to write about TV shows and TV characters. And so now what I've done is I've asked them when they submit stories to submit stories about their life. I think one of the most beautiful stories that we read was for a school in McMinnville, and it was about this child's dog. And it was illustrated, and it was it was absolutely lovely. And afterwards, uh, the mom had been there for the reading, and she came and she hugged us, and she tearfully said, thank you, um, that dog just passed away. And um, your reading that meant a lot to my son. Just inspiring these kids to write and to write their feelings is kind of, it's very interesting for us. Wow. So explain the process from, okay, I've, I've received a story and I assume it's, it's, it's written, it's, it's in some sort of submission, correct? What happens next? How does it get into uh, a performance from that submission? Well, the very first thing we have to do is figure out what they're writing. <laughs> I mean, we get some of these things written by a child that's just beginning to write. They might sound out a word and we have to figure out what that letter is or what that word is. So sometimes it's pretty funny. Um, and oftentimes the teacher is kind enough to give us an interpretation. Once we get that down, then what we do is we practice reading it on each other and find uh, the pauses and the character and the humor and the emphasis that's in the story itself. So we'll find those that have some kind of a theme that can connect and give the show a journey for 60 minutes. So I wanted to ask about the, the hour-long performance, and, and it sounds like you, you've answered part of that for me. You're gonna stitch these individual stories into some sort of, there's gotta be some sort of connective tissue where I'm starting someplace and going someplace, right? And is that is that your challenge as the mentor faculty guide of this is to sort of steer the ship? It will be. Um, it's kind of interesting because the Eureka student, the student that's working on it mostly is going to be the playwright for it. So I will be assisting her, but she's going to try to collate all these stories together to come up with a cohesive whole. And she's going to be working with the actors uh, in the class coming up as we do improv and figuring out, okay, what is it that ties, ties these stories together? That's so fascinating. So this is a student-led project. This is not, I mean, faculty guidance, faculty mentorship through you, but there's a student who will actually be at the, at the forefront of this. Actually, there'll be several students. We got the one who's, who's leading it as the playwright. The show will be put together by actors doing improv on these scripts and watching what they do, taking what they do, keeping what we like, getting rid of the rest. So there's going to be a lot of trial and error, but it is all student driven. Wow. This is so exciting. And, um, I love how practical you're being. You, you, you've got to think through all of the scenarios because of COVID-19, we totally get that. But I also love the optimism and the, the forward thinking of this to where, uh, and, and why am I surprised that the show must go on, right? This is the tradition of the theater. Well, we've got, I've got plans. I mean, if something comes up and we can't get together a lot in the fall for whatever reason, um, we're gonna be doing a lot of performances on YouTube. And we're gonna take those stories that we get from Ireland. By the way, we are getting Irish stories too. We may even get some from Guatemala, but we're gonna make YouTube performances of different things and then come up with workshops. So when things open up and we're able to tra travel to Ireland, even if we don't have a full blown production, 
we will have workshops, we'll have um, YouTube videos, and we'll have in-class performances for the children in the schools in Ireland. I am so excited to hear about this project and to see your enthusiasm and excitement. It just, it makes me so very proud of what you're doing for the university. Thank you so much for sharing all these details with our viewers. Thank you, Andrew. And we'll be right back. Your MTSU Alumni Association has a goal of placing this pin on the lapel of all those who call this campus theirs. Let's pass that tradition on. Let's pass it on. You know you gotta come As a member of this diverse community, I am a valuable contributor to its progress and success. I'm engaged in the life of this community. I am a recipient and a giver. I'm a listener and a speaker. I am honest in word and deed. I am committed to reason, not violence. I am a learner, now in forever. I am a Blue Raider. I am a Blue Raider. I'm a Blue Raider. True Blue. Pass the tradition on. Pass the tradition on. Pass it on. Adversity does not build character. It reveals it. Remember, storm clouds will make a way for the sun, and the darkest of nights become a new day. We look forward to a return to normalcy and seeing our students talking, laughing, creating a purely human connection, and we will emerge stronger than ever before. We look forward to the moment when we welcome all of you home to MTSU. I am True Blue. As a member of this diverse community, I am a valuable contributor to its progress and success. I'm engaged in the life of this community. I am a recipient and a giver. I'm a listener and a speaker. I am honest in word and deed. I am committed to reason, not violence. I am a learner, now in forever. I am a Blue Raider. I am a Blue Raider. I'm a Blue Raider. True Blue. Welcome back to Out of the Blue. I'm Andrew Oppmann. The departments of psychology, social work, and criminal justice administration are moving into a new building this summer. It's an almost $40 million structure that will build even greater communities of scholars within these majors. This facility will be great and it's very much needed, but it's our people who make these programs within the College of Behavioral and Health Science so special. One of our wonderful professors, Dr. Rick Moffat, joins us today to talk about this new building. Professor, thanks for joining us on the show. We appreciate your time. Certainly, I'm glad to be here, Andrew. I'm excited to talk about this new building for the College of Behavioral and Health Sciences, three departments moving into it, almost $40 million construction, uh, 91,000 square feet. Can you talk a little bit about what this building is gonna mean to you personally, but also the college? Just to give you a little bit of background, I've actually been on campus for uh, almost now 30 years. 
uh, pretty much all that time I have had offices in Jones Hall. And I am just really excited about moving into a new space. Uh, there was a lot of uh, participation with faculty uh, and administrators and the architects in terms of how to design the space to uh, really foster collaboration uh, among faculty, but also faculty and students as well too. The informal interactions between faculty and students are so important as it relates to kind of the mentoring and growth and development of our students. And when we don't have, when we're, uh, our offices are across campus, it really creates some barriers, I think, to having, facilitating that kind of interactions with those students. And so this is going to be, I think, uh, a really great opportunity for uh, uh, deepening those relationships and mentoring relationships with students. In addition to making it more convenient and more hospitable to the faculty and, and to the staff um, and students, it's, it's also going to be collaboration, right? You've got space to do those kind of things now, right? Yeah, one of the great things, uh, one of the things that I think is really huge is for our graduate assistants. There has been no office space for our graduate assistants in our departments, and now they're going to have some office space where they can uh, be together uh, and they can collaborate with each other, but also they're right near faculty. In addition, the, um, the new building has a lot of uh, touchdown spaces for students to go ahead and work on projects or to interact or to um, uh, put their thoughts together and then also some spaces for faculty to meet with them as well too. Increasing that informal kind of interaction between faculty and students and uh, uh, maximizing that level of collaboration. Psychology, one of our most popular majors, it, it typically is always ranking in the top five, sometimes the top number one, number two, number three. So there's a lot of volume of folks right. that are not only enrolled in your college as majors, but those outside the college taking, taking those courses as well. You described laboratory space. What, what's a lab for a psychology department? How, what does that do? Sure, it's in a couple of different ways. Some of the places are where we're just collecting data and we're gonna be able to go ahead and have uh, online um, uh, experiments that are going on and that kind of stuff. But other labs actually have highly specialized equipment. And you know we had uh, folks that were all spread out all over. You know, uh, Some people were in the Alumni Memorial Gym you know, in small spaces there to go ahead and be able to collect their data. And so, uh, this, you know, we're going to have an eye tracker system. We're going to have a number of other kinds of uh, uh, high technology that are going to, our, my colleagues in experimental and clinical psychology are going to be able to use. Our field, in terms of industrial organizational psychology, sometimes we will be doing focus groups. And so in terms of collecting uh, data within those kind of situations, and we have space in our building now to be able to go ahead and do that. So we're not having to kind of track down an open classroom, which is difficult at times, and uh, <laughs> being able to collect the data in kind of specialized space dedicated to laboratory research or experimental research. You've mentioned industrial organizational psychology, which yes. is one of our uh, signature major programs. We brag about it a lot. Can you give our viewers sort of a, uh, the, the thumbnail, the elevator pitch of what that major is and why it's becoming a really a go-to major for a lot of our students? Sure. Uh, we have both an undergraduate major in IO psychology and a minor, and then we have a graduate uh, master's program in IO psychology. Industrial organizational psychology or IO psychology is really kind of a combination of human resource management and organizational change and development with a heavy dose of uh, data uh, analysis. I always try to tell my students, I said, you know, you folks are going to be actually 
database problem solvers in organizations dealing with the human element in the organization. And so uh, thinking about things like selecting people in, into organizations, how do you do that? Uh, uh, analyzing jobs, uh, how do you motivate and reward people in the workplace? Um, how do you make major changes in, the, uh, in organizations as well too? And so both our undergraduates and our uh, graduate students will have a broad-based education in those fields. The undergraduate will be prepared for uh, entering uh, HR entry level kinds of positions. Our graduate students enter at a much higher level. Um, they will become a uh, selection specialist, uh, performance and talent management specialist, uh, organizational change and development specialist, training specialist. Uh, moving up and then uh, some of our folks have moved on and we've we've had the program has been around for a long time and they've moved into the C-suite, which is really exciting. That is exciting. And and talk about exciting. I, I can't let you leave the show without uh, letting you tell our viewers a little bit about one of the things that President McPhee is so very proud of, which is the organization you help run called CORE. Explain what that stands for and what that does. And it's moving into the building, right? Yes, we're very excited about that as well, too. CORE uh, stands for the Center for Organizational and Human Resource Effectiveness. It's essentially an on-campus consulting center, really designed to help the education and training of our graduate students and our undergraduate majors as well. This is actually a training lab for them. Uh, we do consulting projects, bringing the expertise of the faculty, but also the um, energy and excitement of the students to uh, uh, helping organizations solve their workplace uh, challenges. The other thing that happens is that we actually are able to provide uh, financial support through graduate assistantships. We actually fund six graduate assistantships for our uh, master's level students, but we also hire undergraduates and other graduate students as well too on an hourly basis to really help our clients uh, meet their challenges and needs from their workplace uh, uh, situations. Well, Professor, I know we're also proud of CORE. We're also really excited about this building coming online, and we appreciate you taking the time to walk us through virtually and verbally the tour of the new facility. Thank you so much for joining us. Andrew, thank you very much for this opportunity to talk with you today and uh, kind of share the excitement of moving into our new building. Fantastic. And we'll be right back. Your MTSU Alumni Association has a goal of placing this pin on the lapel of all those who call this campus theirs. Let's pass that tradition on. Let's pass it on. You know you gotta climb high. As a member of this diverse community, I am a valuable contributor to its progress and success. I'm engaged in the life of this community. I am a recipient and a giver. I'm a listener and a speaker. I am honest in word and deed. I am committed to reason, not violence. I am a learner, now in progress. I am a Blue Raider. I am a Blue Raider. I'm a Blue Raider. True Blue. Pass the tradition on. Pass the tradition on. Pass 
Adversity does not build character. It reveals it. Remember, storm clouds will make a way for the sun, and the darkest of nights become a new day. We look forward to a return to normalcy and seeing our students talking, laughing, creating a purely human connection, and we will emerge stronger than ever before. We look forward to the moment when we welcome all of you home to MTSU. You know you gotta climb Welcome back to Out of the Blue. I'm Andrew Ottman. COVID-19 has brought attention to supply chain management. That's a term used to describe the businesses and decisions that turn raw materials into products that go into the hands of customers. It's also one of the hottest academic concentrations in our Jones College of Business, growing to almost 100 students in just two years. Joining me today to talk about this program at MTSU and the many job opportunities in this field is Professor Cliff Wellborn. Well, Professor, thank you for joining us on the show. We appreciate your time. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate uh, you spending the time with me today. You hear supply chain management so much in the news uh, because of the COVID-19 crisis that we're in. So this is gonna be a good opportunity to not only talk about this academic program in the Jones College of Business, but also just about the field itself and why it's come into play. So what is supply chain management from a profession and then how do we teach that? So from a profession, you know, it's really just all of the all of the steps and all of the decisions that are required to bring a product from raw materials until it gets into the customer's hands. And what we're seeing today, what we're realizing is that that supply chain, even for simple products, is very complex. There are a lot of different companies involved. Sometimes those companies are spread all across the world. So you know, right now people are saying, how come I can't get toilet paper? Or what's the deal with meat? Supply chain is really just understanding what are all of those steps that it takes to get those products. And again, the analysis and the decisions that it takes to make that happen. So from an academic standpoint, how do you teach that? And what does it involve to understand the mechanics of this management? So from an academic standpoint, one of the places that we start is just understanding kind of what that chain might look like. So for us, it's, it's a thing called process mapping, just visually mapping out all the different companies that are involved and maybe the stops along the way. So there's physical transportation. So maybe a raw material starts with one company in one country and has some processing done to it. Then it has to be transported to another company and maybe along the way it stops in a staged warehouse for a little while, and then the second company does something to it, and then it again transports to another company, maybe sits in a warehouse for a while. So making sure students understand all these different links in the supply chain, and understanding that the reason it is called a supply chain is that if anything happens to one of those links, the chain breaks down. And, and that's part of what we're seeing right now, is sometimes one of those links break down and the chain stops. Um, part of what we do is, is teaching students how to analyze those situations. 
understand what kind of decisions they can make to help alleviate those those breakdowns and what kind of things maybe that could they do ahead of time to minimize the risk of those breakdowns. So right now supply chain risk assessment is one of the big hot topics. You know, what could we have done to prevent shortages and what can we do in the future to prevent shortages? And it's been a growth major at MTSU. I, I was looking at the stats before we started the show that it's grown from zero, which meant it was a brand new program, to almost 100 in, in two years. That's got to be a signal not only that we're doing something that folks want to hear, but also that it's a topic that people want to explore. Yeah, I think that's really the key. Uh, it, it's not so much the way we're teaching it or who the teachers are, or what the class content is. That's a career field that is hot right now. So there's lots of job growth opportunities. Um, and it's a field people, students are interested in because they want to know, you know, you, you want to help out right now. Um, you want to be part of that solution of how do I keep materials flowing so that we can maintain our standard of living. You mentioned some companies that we're collaborating with, that we're connected to. Can you, can you give some folks some names so they understand who are our partners? Sure. And that's one of the things, you know, a lot of times uh, when people first get into supply chain, they say, well, who are the supply chain companies? So you're looking for a company name that says, you know, uh, Johnson Supply Chain Company. And they say, I don't really find a whole lot of those. And the answer is, well, there's not a whole lot of those. Supply chain is embedded in all of the companies that you're used to. So Nissan is a huge supporter of us. Um, hundreds of people in their supply chain program, uh, hundreds of people in their logistics program. So Nissan's we have a good relationship with um, YoPlay or General Mills right here in Murfreesboro. We have a good relationship with Yazaki, the Ingram Content Group, Dollar General, the corporate office Dollar General. So the big names of companies that you would recognize, there's always a, a department there that's the supply chain department that is making sure how to get the materials in so that we can process it and get them to the customer. I, I knew you, you discussed that you've only been a formal concentration for two years, but we have alums who have gotten an education through the Jones College of Business and found themselves in supply chain management because of the opportunities we provided them. And they're now a network that the graduates out of this program can, can approach, right? That's an advantage that we have. Yeah, that's a huge advantage. Um, and, you know, it's not uncommon to see that if you sort of look at the older generation that's in supply chain management, a lot of them didn't have supply chain degrees. So if you look at our faculty, um, most of us that are in the supply chain program don't have supply chain degrees because it just wasn't it just wasn't a thing that many years ago in the university setting. So we had students who were coming through the management program, maybe coming through getting their MBA, that took electives in supply chain management and ended up in supply chain fields in their professional companies. Um, and they are our greatest resource. So they do all kinds of things for us. They, they support us just in terms of, um, sort of telling the university, hey, you need to get a supply chain program, you need to promote your supply chain program because we need to hire supply chain students. They help us with uh, curriculum, so they look at the courses that will sort of um, go forward with a proposal and ask employers to say, here's the classes that we're thinking about teaching, do these make sense? And we have alumni that will help us all the way down to the exercise level. So even within a class, when we say, here's a homework assignment, that I found in a textbook or that I was thinking about giving. Um, we have alumni that'll say, that homework assignment's pretty good, but let me tell you what's a little bit more practical. Um, they feed us data where we can do exercises with real data. 
um, guest speakers. We have guest speakers in a lot of our supply chain classes, tours. So that's one of the big things in supply chain. Uh, a lot of times we have students that say, I, I want to take a class where you do tours. So we do a lot of tours because we have alumni out there working in these companies that say, hey, if you want to bring a group of supply chain students, we'd love to show them around. Wow, another great program of the Jones College of Business. Professor, thanks for joining us and congratulations on the, on the, the phenomenal growth and the excitement around this program. Thanks for having me. And that does wrap up another edition of Out of the Blue. A couple of reminders. First of all, for news and updates regarding the COVID-19 response at MTSU, go to our website, mtsu.edu slash coronavirus. Also, you can follow MTSU on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook for additional special content. I'm Andrew Oppmann. Stay safe, stay on course, and remain true blue.